0: church hell no are you no longer feeling comfortable in church this podcast is for individuals who are desperately missing God but don't know how to find him substance abuse domestic violence sex offenses acrimonious divorce can contribute to discomfort in the church for these individuals church is just not an option anymore ordained minister Dennis Hall and his guests invite you to listen to this podcast for topics that are inspiring uplifting, and will bring hope to those who just feel church is not relevant in their lives today. I'm Dr. Dennis Hall, and I'm delighted that you're listening to this podcast today. It seems like every week something's happening in our country to grab our attention or something's been in the news to grab uh, my attention as I get ready for these uh, podcasts. I was thinking about uh, something that I did a lot when I was a child and, and uh, I would lie in the grass and look into the night sky and just marvel at the, at the thousands of stars that, uh, that I could see. You know, sometimes we'd see a shooting star and on rare occasion, we'd get to see a, a, uh, a meteor shower. So it was, uh, you know, pretty exciting as a, as a youngster. And, um, uh, the scientists tell us that that we can only see about three thousand stars with our naked eye, and that seems like plenty. But with telescopes, we can see millions of stars, and uh, it's just amazing. But it's really not the stars that grabbed my attention, or grabbed my attention as a child. But it's was the blackness of the universe that surrounded the stars. And as a child, it was. Uh, My understanding that the universe beyond our galaxy was infinite, meaning it had no beginning and no end. And as a child, thinking about this kind of infinity almost at times made me feel like I was going crazy. You know, how could this be? And nothing can come into being without an intelligent designer. There has to be some cause. At least that's what they told us in our science classes. You know, but as difficult as it is for the human mind to grasp this idea of infinity, it really does help us to understand the God that is worshipped by Christians. Just last year, the Hubble Space Telescope Observed the most distant star ever seen. It was named Arendelle. Now, they tell us, the scientists tell us that Arendelle is 50 times larger than the Earth's sun. 50 times larger than the Earth's sun. And the reason we can't see Arendelle with uh, our naked eye is because it's 28 billion, 28 billion light years away from us. That means that the light emanating from this newfound star began its journey to Earth 28 million years ago. That's hard for us to get our minds wrapped around those kinds of distances. If, if we uh, tried to translate that into nautical miles, the number of zeros would be mind-boggling. Now, what was interesting to me in all the press releases about this uh, newfound uh, new star was they would use phrases like uh, uh, it's giving us some insight into the cosmic dawn or some idea about the early universe, suggesting that there was and is a beginning to the universe. Now, this seems to fly in the face of an infinite God who rules over an infinite universe. Now, I'm not too disheartened about these kind of news releases, though, because over and over again science has a way of uh, developing substantial support for biblical ideas for for biblical truths, and it's been interesting for me to observe that in the world of quantum physics and astrophysics, that there is a whole group of research occurring that is implying that the universe may have had no beginning. No beginning and no end. Now, the word infinity essentially means that there's something without boundary, that it's endless, it's eternal. It is necessarily self-existing and contingent on nothing, unlike we human beings that have to rely on other things for not only our existence, but even the maintenance of that existence. You know, when we think about God and his unlimited attributes and character, we realize that he must be an infinite being that God must himself be infinite, that is, without boundary. Well, what are, what are some of the things that we know about God uh, that, that describes him as being infinite? Well, we can begin with his perfect knowledge. Um, you know, in theological circles, we like to refer to that as omniscience. One of the big O's about God that He's all knowing, you know, indicates that God's knowledge encompasses everything. Now, you know, first God, uh, verse John three twenty, uh, teaches God is greater than our heart and He knows everything. God is infinite, the Alpha and Omega, with no beginning and no end. God told Moses. I am who I am in Exodus 3:14. God knows man's actions and man's heart. And you know, the scripture teaches us that many who prophesied or performed miracles in his name will be told, I never knew you. That should be a scary verse to a lot of people. God knows everything, there is no limit. The sum total of all actual. And potential knowledge is the possession of God. His understanding has no limit, as the psalmist told us in Psalm 147, 14. As perplexing as it is, God demonstrates throughout the Scripture that he knows the future, as Jesus revealed in Matthew 24. And then we have all the Old Testament prophecies of the death and resurrection a resurrection of Jesus that also reveals this omniscience, this all-knowing of God. You know, the knowledge, you know, God's knowledge of the future, though, does not uh, negate our free will that he has given us. You know, God knows and loves his children so well that he knows the choices that we are going to make. And God's love is infinite, unlimited, without end. The most quoted verse in the entire Bible is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, sometimes we see Christian football players uh, put this verse literally on their face. They're in uh, football games. You know, as the creator of the universe and and uh, all his earthly children, we expect infinite love to be one of the basic attributes of God. 1 John 4, 16, the apostle tells us, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. Description of God's love are everywhere in Scripture. His love endures forever, is the refrain in Psalm 136. And Psalm 103 exclaims, God crowns you with love, is slow to anger, abounds in love. Sadly, the Israelites rejected God through ingratitude and disobedience over and over again, over several centuries. But God's love was persistent. God's love for the nation of Israel is the same love that God has for the world that led to the atonement on the cross. Now, sometimes we ask, why has God designed this life to be one of hardship and sorrow? Skeptics like to ask that question. And the truth is, it's only through hardship and sorrow that God can bestow on us His infinite grace and love. God is also often referred to as omnipotent, another one of the big O's that they attribute to God, meaning that He's unlimited in His infinite power. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is the cause of all things in the universe and on earth. And he's not bound or limited by the humans that he created. Yes, he's omnipotent and in complete control. I have a t-shirt I like to wear, and it gets people's attention because on the front of the t-shirt, it says, Relax, God is still in control. You know, the Lord does whatever he pleases in the heavens and on earth, in the seas and all the depths, Psalms 135, 6 tells us. And even Jesus said, with God, all things are possible, Matthew 19, 26. Now skeptics and non-believers they try to refute God's omnipotence by asking questions like, Can God create a rock that he cannot lift? Well, God is all-powerful, omnipotent, and he can do anything that he wills, that he wills. But there are certain things that God cannot do because it's not within his will. In other words, God cannot do what he does not want to do. And that includes making a rock that he cannot lift. For example, the God of the Bible cannot lie. He cannot commit an unloving act. He cannot act unjustly. He cannot forget. He cannot do evil. He cannot tell a lie. He cannot deceive us. He can't do any of these things. That doesn't mean he's not all-powerful. These things, you know, uh, they don't limit his power, they just define his nature. God is infinite and has no limits. And then God's presence is infinite. What? We're meaning that God is everywhere, capable of always being encountered. Now, theologically, it's another big O that we call omnipresent. Omnipresent. And uh, what? Who can hide in secret places so I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord in Jeremiah 23, 24? His eyes are on the ways of mortals. He sees their every step, Job 34, 21. Nothing. In all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account, Hebrews 4.13. And, yes, we believers are taught that our bodies are the temple of God, and God dwells within, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Now, if the Holy Spirit lives within us, then God must sense our pain and our disappointment and our frustration as well as our happiness and joy. God has said to us, I'm the Alpha and Omega. Who is, who was, and who is to come? The Almighty, Revelation 1a. Because God is infinitely eternal, He's available to us in every stage of our life. But let me remind you that this availability, God's availability, is only present when we're willing to share our attention with God. Yes. If we're not willing to share our attention with God, then His availability will not be tapped by us. Now, neuroscientists, Um, have demonstrated that infants are capable of knowing their mother's mental states. It's a form of mind reading where an infant in the lap of a mother will sense the mental state that the mother is in. Uh, It's similar to when we wince, when we see someone cut their finger But if that person cutting their finger is someone we love, we may actually feel the pain. That's been demonstrated. Now, these examples demonstrate really how love creates a foundation of real empathy. Empathy meaning that we really sense what someone else is feeling. Now, let me suggest to you that Jesus can read the minds of people in ways that's not possible for mere human beings. His mind reading is deep and miraculous. You know, the Holy Spirit is found in persons of faith. And when the Holy Spirit indwells in believers, they become aware of the Holy Spirit's mind. And and there is uh, 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 that awareness of the Holy Spirit mind becomes mingled with their mind. And this union creates a powerful presence of God's love and empathy. Yes, uh, God has this infinite omnipresence, and he's asking everyone to turn to him. I don't know how many times in my ministry, and my walk, I've had to say to someone who wonders where God has been. And I've said to him, he's been there all along. He's been there all along. He's just been asking for you to turn to him. And then, you know, God wants intimacy with us. He wants to be intimate with us. You know, in many Christian churches, we can hear uh Pastors imploring their congregations to develop a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, I think this idea must seem crazy to skeptics who envision um, Christians having a conversation with a man who died 2,000 years ago. But for believers, he's not an abstract, unknowable being. No. On the contrary, He's a personal God, a loving Father, and Counselor. Now, this phrase, a personal relationship with Jesus, began being used by Protestant evangelicals in the early 1970s. And many believers see Jesus as a friend because His omnipresence, always being available, is like a true friend providing emotional and Psychological support. You know, skeptics argue that this personal relationship is just a figment of the imagination of Christian believers. And even some psychologists and anthropologists, they've even asserted that that Christians are deluding themselves when they're thinking their thoughts are from God. There have been times... Over the last uh, few years, when we've even seen uh, um, television personalities make fun of Christians because they talked about hearing from God, suggesting that somehow they were deluding themselves. But the truth is, is when Christians practice praying without ceasing and without doubt, their minds are poised to hear from God. And the scripture says that Prayer can move mountains, Matthew 21 20, and that the prayers of the righteous avail much, James 5, 16. And then the Apostle Paul taught his followers to pray without ceasing, so that Christians would always be in a state of prayer. Now, let me tell you something, for Christians who have had miracles occur in answer to prayer, and since the peace that passes all earthly understanding or heard the clear voice of God, the intimacy of God is real. And it is a personal relationship. Come near to God and he will come near to you. James taught us in James 4, 8. Come near to God and he will come near to you. You know, God dwells in an eternal place seated high in the universe. Now, theologians refer to this as being transcendent. That may be a new word to you, transcendent, transcendent. It means that God is above all finite concepts, that he's unfathomable, unknowable. You know, God is infinite in all aspects of his being and never changes. He has no beginning and no end and needs nothing and depends on nothing and owes nothing. He is holy, holy, holy. Perfect in every way. Now simply put, (laughs) very simply put, God is God, and we are not. You know, that accepting that has been the downfall of humanity from the very beginning. Understand that we are not God. You know, the Bible doesn't reveal a God uh, uh, who is sometimes fearsome and then other times approachable. And it doesn't depict a God who is uh, sometimes infinitely exalted on high above us and then at other times intimately involved in our affairs. No, he is both simultaneously. God dwells in eternity yet feels at home among the lowly and makes his way to lift up the needy. God is holy enough to judge sinners and subject them to his wrath, and yet tender enough to embrace us in his love. He's powerful enough to keep millions of these blazing stars that I talked about earlier on their courses, and intimate enough to name each one of them and to number the hairs on our heads. You know, when people forget, That God is transcendent. There's that word again transcendent, unfathomable, unknowable. They find it hard and unnecessary to fear Him. And if we forget that God can be our personal friend, we find it hard and unnecessary to love Him. Well, God is both. God is both. And that should make us fear and love Him. Even more. If God isn't the great I am, He won't compel our fear and reverence. And if we don't think of Him as near, He won't compel our gratitude and our joy and our amazement. You know, most churches today tend to emphasize how near God is. I'm amazed at some of the things the churches. Do today. you know? W- wouldn't it be amazing? God forgive, uh, God forbid, that we should think for a moment uh, that rather than deserving a fresh cup of coffee either before or during or after the church service, that uh, that we might be struck dead for the sins that we had committed that very morning, you know, uh, except for God's mercy to understand that except for God's mercy, we, we, we are undeserving except for God's mercy. You now what if we came to church services with the idea that we have no way of reaching uh, God except when he provides one? You think we would sing louder and read the scripture more intentionally? Well, perhaps. At the same time, you know, we can't lose sight that we want, to, we want to engage with a God who's close, you know, one that does not want us to participate in worship that's just uh, out of duty and boring and maybe distasteful and maybe even irrational. And God wants us to draw near, and he wants us to experience all aspects Of his nature. Now, as I begin to uh, conclude this podcast, uh, let me just point out that I've been talking about the infinite God worshiped by Christians. You know, we've seen many people who profess to be Christians affirming that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who lived a perfect life died on the cross to take their punishment and rose from the dead for their justification. But for many, it doesn't seem to make any difference in their daily life. Now, for these people, Jesus is not a source of comfort and joy, but just some sort of abstract doctrine that they think will assure them that they won't go to hell when they die. And I think about that and I think how sad this must make the infinite God of the universe. You know, there's so much emphasis on the personal nature and our relationship with Jesus that I think sometimes it's easy to fail to appreciate the infinite nature of God and how much we don't know about Him. Even with all the revelations given in Scripture, about God's nature and character, attributes, His will, His love, His omnipresence, His omnipotence, you know, all of these things, we we know a lot about God, but at the same time, God is still a vast mystery. We say that God is one, and He's also part of this Trinity, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And yes, the, the, we will never achieve a perfect understanding of the Trinity. You know, the Scripture provides us glimpses of this infinite God that we worship. and But we can't perfect, perfectly grasp who he is, who he was, And who he is to come. We know this. There's no one like him. And he truly can and does save. He's holiness and mercy. Grace and truth. And God and man. He's over all, through all, and in all. Let me say this to my listeners. You know, my prayer for you today is that you'll begin to worship God as though He is infinite, infinite, and reigns over an infinite universe. May God bless you, and thank you for listening.